Welcome to the Toria Needles Show. We're up at Eva Montville's studio again, and our guest today is Cynthia Anderson and Cindy Vinnie. Good morning. Fantastic to be reading from Joshua Tree, Calligraphy of Tides. She watches two morning singers carved from cottonwood roots, washed in kaolin clay, mineral or vegetal dyes. These kachinas clasp spruce branches, ring bells in daylight sun, many legs dance. She remembers Hopi emerged from scraped canyon niche cut out of adobe wall. Then spirits rest as sandstone preserves ripple marks, ocean waves. She grasped for an eye painted on a pocket buttonhole stitched to Neptune's belt. She sheds red tears, stains palm frond mask, pinnate leaves. She lives inside a calligraphy of tides Imagine sweet salt, amethyst whipped coral, waves splash fiercely from, the four, from four directions, the trident land lost. She seeks sacred Atlantis, submerged in moonlit elegy. And I'm Cindy Rinney, and the next poem is Merger of Heartbeat and Bark. Blood red aspen trunk and branches welcome northern flickers to nest in its hollowed heart. Crystal wind watches them forage the ground for ants and beetles, also remove debris of bayberries, thistle seeds, and poison oak. Memories of her meticulous collection of feathers, pheasant, quail, and blue jay taped to a cardboard labeled glistening in plastic wrap her secret possession. Later burn like this forest, decayed wood for a bed, and nestling soon to cling on cavity wall. A circle home in memory of Jackson Wheeler. Blue and white or blue impressions on rice paper like the game of pickup sticks. Be careful not to tumble. The wind spreads these carriers of buds smart sparks in a fire, delicate woven into a circle home, hummingbird lands. We heard a bit about Jackson Wheeler last year <coughs> from Maia, correct? So can you tell us a little bit about Jackson Wheeler while you're here? We did it in memory of him. There must be a purpose for that. I just met him a couple times, actually through Cynthia. We did a reading in Ventura, and then there was a reading that he hosted later on that night in Oxnard that isn't running anymore, but he, he just listened to my poetry so kindly and astutely, he didn't know me, and really paid, he just took in and really was, he did. His spirit just touched me because it was like we'd known each other forever kind of thing. He just really was into what you know I was doing and I think I brought some art along that time and you know the reading he sponsored was held in an art museum and actually it was one of my goals was to be in his reading series but he had ill health and that didn't quite happen but while I was at the reading 
there was contemporary art around the room. And so even though we were like downstairs in the basement, there was some very famous artwork around me. So it all just meshed together. So Monarchs Too Far North. Um, this, this, this poem is about a fairy tale I'm writing that is kind of based on Sequoia National Park, but I'm making up a new land. <laughs> But this is an ecological series, and this is, this is really happening. So monarchs too far north. Water like the scent of rain, splashing creeks, roar of rivers, and crash of sea. A monarch drip drinks from the milkweed plant. Instinct tells this flyer the days are shorter and colder. It's time to migrate south. First, the monarch lands on Angie's shoulder, a brief flicker. Angie holds her breath as the monarch catches a thermal. Angie waves. It's late for you to be here, Angie says to the air. Monarch knows something is off. This next poem is part of a book that I have coming out soon. And this is sort of an introductory poem, but I, it's, a, it's an ancient story, but you'll see it's also about Joshua Tree. Ganesh admires branches racing toward rebirth in the desert under Joshua Tree shade. A nomad made of Milky Way told the story of two lovers, Bahad and Shirin, as nutmeg elephants in jeweled blankets listened to the windswept tale. A forbidden love is royal and common. A rock carver created a petroglyph in stone of the princess before he dug a canal as well for desert waters to win permission for marriage, but was told a lie. Shirin had died. His tools as suicide, a band of light. Shirin faced death and joined her blood with his. Red tulips as their perfect love. And my last poem, uh, it's just something I experienced on a walk. Night Sleeper. I walk past the feather and think pigeon. Inner voice whispers, pick up the feather. Backtrack, bend to grab its crow. Shapeshifter, keeper of the law, who knows past, present, and future. Murder of crows, hop and peck for seeds near me, but not too close. I lay the feather at the sidewalk's edge, an offering, a symbol of flight. In contrast to deep roots of the mimosa tree, which clings to dry, crusty soil, night sleeper, with fern-like leaves touch my wild heart. A cave of deep pink flowers remind me, despite mistakes, there is beauty. A vision appears. Nasturtiums fill my senses red to yellow, trumpet-shaped, round petals, edible, peppery flowers. Leaves shimmer as the wind teases. Planted deep, conquest, strength, and passion gestate from my heart center. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I'm Cynthia Anderson, and I'll read um, my poems that are in the current uh, Choya Needles Ecology issue. And I'm gonna start with a poem about a bear. This poem came from a dream. So this isn't something that actually happened. It happened not on this plane of reality. <laughs> on the other plane of reality. Bear, 
Rounding the bend on the high trail, I don't think, only feel, cold wind on my face, rough stones on my shoes, my eyes see without seeing the bear. Lumbering, hungry, native to these hills, desperate, too close to town, hating it, hating me, standing there. A paw strikes my neck, slices flesh to ribbon. All is wet, warm, and suddenly cold. My eyes see without seeing. Will they find and revive me? Will they mend me in hospitals? Will they shoot him in return? Homeless, restless, his coarse fur a relic of the wilderness, no longer wild, but calculated by garbage cans. My fate is easy. His, the black of Earth's passing from old ways. So this poem comes from Sequoia National Park. Uh, Cindy and I were on a retreat up there and we hiked to this uh, place called Sunset Rock on uh, the day of um, the solar eclipse. So this is Eclipse Sunset Rock, Sequoia National Park. It's hazy, hard to make out 70% of totality. Though muted, the light doesn't change that much. But this granite outcrop knows the eclipse is here, as does its mosaic of lichens, living skin over living rock. Hidden birds rasp like rusty hinges in the hushed air. Half the trees on the slopes are dead from drought, disease, pollution. Their bones stand erect in what sun is left. Are we fated to love what we destroy and destroy what we love? So I don't know about you, but I, you know, I really don't want to be using poison, you know, to kill any kind of animal, no matter how small, it's just not a good thing, right? You know, so it gets tricky, you know, when like fire ants are invading your house, it's like, what do you do, you know? <laughs> okay, so um, this is another dream poem, Overlord of the Ants. Mm -hmm. Immense as a titan, the overlord of the ants fills my vision, startles me. I know why he's come the poison. It's not possible to love the earth and put out bait. It's not possible. The hinge in my mind that bends toward killing must stop believing I have that right. My trespass is noted. I am warned. Yeah. So talking about, you know, ecology and survival and stuff like that, I mean, I always remember this next poem is about an incident down in Palm Desert where um, we just happened to be down there and saw this guy who was a real character, totally out of place in that environment. Um, and uh, this is about him and his vehicle. It's called Ark of Palm Desert. December sends temperatures to the 70s on Monterey Avenue, that shopping mecca where even the medians are impeccable. Mexican birds of paradise bloom orange and yellow, while Porsches and Corvettes zoom toward Costco. 
Yet, an intruder lumbers into the pristine scene, a bus thick with dust, roofed with solar panels and packed floor to ceiling with trash. The door open reveals the driver, a giant Noah whose gray braided beard pours down his black t-shirt. His bus purrs forward, mechanically sound, the road warrior sure of himself and his mission, navigating the apocalypse, just passing through, his arc the antithesis of want. So, and this last poem, I'm especially grateful for, to Rich for publishing this. Uh, this is about the place where I grew up, Simsbury, Connecticut, and I've worked on this poem for at least 10 years. It's, and it's submitted it over and over and over and over and been rejected over and over. And finally, Rich gave this poem a home. So this poem means a lot to me personally. It combines some stories about you know this place um, where I grew up and the present and past history and my present and past history too. So, so it's called At Simsbury, Connecticut. Oh, and I should say at the beginning, you know, this town where I grew up was founded in the 1600s. It's one of those early, early towns, you know, with those Puritan settlers. And there was um, major Indian wars that happened in that area. And the town was burned uh, by this famous chief. Um, uh, and uh, supposedly he watched the, the town burn uh, from a cave, you know, up above. And his name was Metacomet. He was a really um, impressive and extraordinary guy, and they almost succeeded in driving the settlers out of New England altogether. Mm. It was it was uh, touch and go there, and uh, they did not prevail in the end. But anyway, okay, at Simsbury, Connecticut. Trees have overtaken my old neighborhood. Oaks and pines loom over rooftops, blocking out light. Because of them, the wind is more than itself, a roar that won't stop 50 years in its wake. As before, blue jays scold, chipmunks scurry and hide, cardinals blaze through branches. But now bears, driven from lairs in the hills, search the suburban forest for food, a mile from Bed Bath and beyond. Metacomet leans from his cave. He knows Simsbury could burn again. It's a gamble. The stakes favor him. At the cemetery in the town's center, Puritans shrink below weathered headstones, their descendants in thrall to Powerball and casinos. I grew up with the noise of chainsaws felling the woods for tract homes. No one expects a resurrection. Yet the trees are on their way. Wampanoag ghosts roam freely among them, speaking the old names, Massacre, Weetog, Tunxis. My family moved in the 70s. I want to knock on my childhood door, ask to visit the brook and swamp, see if the tree fort's still there, stand beneath the giant pine, gather cones, crunch rust-colored needles underfoot. 
but neighbors warn me away. The owner's daughter, passenger on a joyride, left her life on Avon Mountain. I'm the girl they no longer have, the one who got to grow up and come back. As before, I'm haunted by a past I can't touch or see. From across the street, I gaze at the second story corner, my bedroom window, level with the greening and bronzing and falling of leaves. Now we have Robert. No. no. <laughs> He's going to sing a song called No Thanks. No. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> have you ever wondered why people live in the desert? I'm Dawn Davis, and I host Desert Lady Diaries podcast. It's a weekly conversation with women who found their home in the Mojave Desert. Each week, I talk to women who were either born and raised in the desert or felt called to come here and what the desert means to them. You can learn more about the podcast and listen at DesertLadyDiaries.com. So last month was the big read in Morongo Basin, and I participated in Kathy Allen's installation, and so that's interwoven in this poem. And it was fun for me to work with found materials of metal and glass, because usually I'm doing fiber art that's soft, and so just having that, the hardness and bending and twisting, it felt good, and a friend came, and made new friends. It was just neat to do something with the community. Didn't have to be an artist to participate. And it was, it was great. Eyes in Water, after Sam Rohachwa. So tell me about streets of gold where desert sands once shifted. White outlines of violet spirits echoed the date palm oasis. A neighborhood like piano keys reflected staccato in wet streets scrap metal and glass shards. So tell me about eyes in water, splashed and churned, floated as water lilies bubbled, fish lurked under the small boat of two souls as it threaded through the pier of generations past, bones shattered, broken skull in a mirror. So tell me about bare feet, skirt edge buried in mulch, the band-aid on her back usually hidden under strawberry blonde hair, cut while gathering wires, balls of rope and rose petals, apple cores tossed as she found the seeds. So this one was actually started in a poetry workshop by a friend of mine. And uh, writing off a photograph, and it's always fun to see what happens. I just stand here watching a covey of gambles quail cluck, crow, scramble under creosote as the earth sways in waves. A baby desert sparrow falls from sagebrush home, endless flaps, twitters, trills. A cluster of Mojave sun cups, four rounded petals unfurl early morning Wrestle, tremble, stretch towards sun. Stamens splay open like fingers. A smaller blossom stares downward, 
Shadows blanket this witness of fear, of fading murmurs, quake. So we just had had a tremor. It had been a long time. So, so that wasn't originally in the poem, but you know, it just happens and it shows up in there too. Birthdays coming up, November 10th, and this is appropriate. Um, I wrote it a couple years ago, but it's very appropriate today. This, we'll pretend it's my birthday. Yes. <laughs> Titled "Happy Fucking Birthday." <laughs> today I am 80 years old. I leave the house, look down at the jacket that I wear. I should take care of this. It is most likely my last fucking jacket. I look around. This surely will be my last fucking house. I'd better take care of it too. Then as I get into my car, I realize it could be the last fucking car I own. As I pull in for an oil change, my phone rings. The doctor says my cholesterol and sugar numbers have gone down to a good level. I smile and put my phone very carefully into my last fucking purse. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy fucking birthday to you. <laughs> <laughs> my last poem is called Silken, and in my next book I'm a character of the Wanderer, so this is just one of the places I went. All great and precious things are lonely, John Steinbeck. I carry saffron threads from the fields of Saktana for trade, and think of Amma, Sarah of the desert in her monastic cell near the Nile, ignored, infinite. Your far-reaching fingers tie an orange silken ribbon on my left wrist like a bracelet, a marker of when we were together, primordial faces exposed. I need more time to reveal family secrets, roots hidden deep like tamarisk bushes of slender branches and gray-green leaves. To a cluster of pink agapanthus, I depart to hike with difficult footing, quartz cubes cut and pine cones crumble. Before sunset, my demons whisper, jump into the rushing river. I bury them in a crypt. Lightning divides the North Star. A sudden wall of tears whips through my skin of shame. Nothing more I can do, power if I forget myself. I transmute into desert flood. Thank you. Right. So I'll just read a, a few more short ones. And um, I wrote some poems specifically for Eva's installation and for Suzanne's. So um, this one is for Eva and her hearts. And it's called Heart Gone Missing. A heart can still beat, but be lost or stolen by the very world it lives in. If you could see through me, 
you'd be surprised at how hard a heart can be and how bloody. Strung up, hung on a hook, forced to witness the destruction of what it loves. A man's in need a burl, cracked and cratered with everything it can't forget or leave. And these are a couple short ones for Suzanne's Burka sculptures. And I use the titles um, that she used for a couple of these. And uh, one of these, this first one, Survivors, in the little booklet that Eva made for um, the show. Survivor, I'm the sum of what's left behind, rusted and burned, melted and bent, my soul shaped into this shell to survive. And this is Sequin Assassin. This disguise I wear protects you from my anger until you go too far and hurt my earth. Then I'm a nebula in your night about to explode. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Lunchtime already? It is lunchtime already. And this thing is still going. Do you want this to still be going um, right now? Yeah, I've got to check the time. What's it say? It's 38. That's not too bad. You guys going to read anything else? No. Okay, then I'm going to go ahead and charge it for a little bit and then um, show him what it part. <laughs> After you guys.